Hey everybody, Mike Dempsey here. It's NFL playoff time, and you can still win playing Underdog Fantasy by picking higher or lower on player stats at underdogfantasy.com. Sign up with promo code 1010XL, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, Tuesday night, it was the great threesome of those blonde little freaks, those fuzzy little foreigners, Sting and Stuart Copeland and Andy Summers, voices, voices inside my head, echoes of things that you said. And yeah, that's what I've been dealing with. I just talked to the ladies about it and already getting some activity that's rolling in on our text line, 641-1010. Brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. A lot of people citing vertigo. I don't know what it is. And, you know, I hate to be so self-serving uh, to get things going right here in the Tuesday night, but I'm going absolutely bananas. And I visited doctor after doctor after doctor after doctor. Dr. Moe, Dr. Larry, Dr. Curley, Dr. Herbie, which will be part of our conversation here in just a second. The great Dr. Kirk Herbstreet is now an NFL color analyst, uh, giving us all his wisdom and expertise uh, in the game. You name it, I've had it. Full brain MRI, EKG, stress test, CAT scans, looking at my heart. I'm with the neurologist last week. He's like having me walk a straight line. I thought I was pulled over for drunken driving. You know, and he's having me push out my arms and push out my arms. I'm like, Doc, you know, I'm still... I can do all that stuff. It's just my mind is all fuzzy. And it's not a headache. It's not a migraine. It's dizziness. It's like getting off the tilt-a-whirl. You know, it's like first time on a boat. And I don't wish it on anyone. It's a, it's a uh, lightheaded dizziness that is just really awful to deal with. But it's not pain. And you can manage it. I tell you, the best thing about working at night is that I don't have to get up early and be somewhere. I don't have to get up early and clock in and hour after hour after hour. I mean, if I can do whatever it is that I want to do, I'll just go lay down. There's a lot of times I'll pull over to the side of the road and I'll just, you know, release the seat back in my beautiful key GMC Sierra truck and call it 10 minutes of, uh, of nothing but complete silence. Um, but it's one thing, and, you know, I think that the older we get, you start feeling things, twinges, irregular heartbeats, massive midlife crisis and meltdowns. I mean, there's just one thing after another. Um, there are people that are so nervous about it, they're immediately going to go to the doctor. There are others who are, it's kind of like, we treat ourselves the way we treat an old vehicle, right? 
You know, and, and, you know, you can get beautiful vehicles, as I said, over at Key, right across the street from Tinseltown, Southside, and Gate. But maybe you're starting out in life, you got a little bit of a clunker. I know I had plenty of them. Heck, I didn't even have a car until I was 23. I shared a room. I shared a damn room until I was almost 22 when I graduated Florida State. But, but you know how it is when you have those vehicles and you hear a noise and you, and you're like, oh, my God, what's that? The, the simple way to get through is just turn up the volume on the radio, right? If you turn up the volume, you don't hear it. Therefore, it's not a problem. There's a lot of people out there as well. If something's bothering them, really, toe to foot, that's the way, or uh, head to foot, that's the way it is. It, there are certain people who aren't going to go to a doctor. Well, I kind of went through that process, and I thought it was like, you know, I got the jab, and every time I mention the jab, there's going to be some of you out there that are going to tell me that you wish that I died because your politics are to such the extreme that whether you took the jab or didn't take the jab really can break in half the great Americans right here in Duval and throughout the rest uh, of our country. But I did take the jab, and, you know, I did try to do whatever it was um, COVID-wise so I could do my job, so I could do whatever it is that I need to do. But I don't know if it was side effects. I don't know if it was recurring effects. I don't know what it was. So here I am, and I'm lost. And the only time I feel good, and I'm visiting him tomorrow, it's the knock, Dr. Shinatri. Uh, I go in there and I visit him, and I, you know I had neck surgery in '98, and my neurologist said, "Well, you got some arthritis in there, and that could be causing headaches." And and uh, I'm not going to go have another surgery because the last time I had a neck surgery, they completely screwed everything up with the anesthesia, and it nicked my vocal cord. And it's kind of funny because when I got fired in '98 from the uh, 1999 from the ball, people forget that I had a paralyzed vocal cord. That's why I heard from every lawyer in town, you know, go ahead and sue the radio station. I was like, bro, if I sue the radio station, I'm never going to get another job. You know, let me just heal. And hell, I was offered a job within two days at our competitor. I just had to work out a nine, uh, what, a six-month non-compete. But it sounded like Burgess Meredith. I was like, rock, rock, you're a bum. You're a bum, rock. I couldn't even talk. So screw surgeries. And it's not because I'm scared of going under. It's, mm-mm. Ain't going to do with the anesthesia. I talk about Dr. Schmunez all the time. Okay, had to go under with him. I had a long conversation. I'm like, Doc, I know you got to remove this out of my eye, but I'm petrified not of the eye. I'm petrified of the, of the vocal cord. And uh, I'm petrified of waking up and not being able to talk. Uh, but anyway, uh, that is that. When I visit Dr. Shinatri, he goes with the needling and the acupuncture. And it's, it's really intense, and you can feel it rising to your head, different parts of your brain. But it's, it's settling, and it feels like something is happening. Um, but I haven't been able to get up with Doc uh, in the last couple of weeks. I know he was on a vacation, well-deserved, and uh, the week prior to that, I don't know what was going on. I had something happening, but I'm going to take care of that tomorrow. It's one of many things I have scheduled coming up here on Wednesday. Uh, but that is that. So... You know, I, I, I try to get with you every single night on, on things that are going on, obviously, that are important in the world of sports, but also in our lives, the good, the bad, and in the indifferent. I, I've been dealing with this for well over a year, and I just, it, there feels like there's no end game, okay? And it's like people try to comfort me. My doctors try to comfort me by saying, well, you don't have a tumor in your brain like your mom did. 
uh, your heart seems to be beating fine. You don't have a problem there. So I, I guess the result is my head is not going to explode anytime soon, and my heart is going to still keep beating. But it doesn't erase the fact that I get these incredibly untimely lightheadedness and dizziness. So if any of you out there have dealt with this, I'd love to know what it is. And I've heard every possible explanation. Oh, it's the change in weather. Oh, you've got an allergy. Oh, something, um, you know, you have a virus. Uh, Oh, you drank. No, no, it's not drinking. Not even close. As a matter of fact, that's the only time I feel really good is when I'm completely wasted. That that is the the best feeling uh, that I have. There's none there, but that's that's an issue. You know, you you would think that if you put in the effort and you go and you visit doctor after doctor after doctor and you keep going from one place to another, that someone would have an answer for you, and there is no answer at this point. The only one I haven't seen yet is uh, the ear, nose, and throat doctor, and and that's coming up. And I, I, I hear about the third year, and I hear about how there could be wax buildup, which I clean my ears all the time. But maybe I'm just pushing wax in, okay? I've never, you know, it's like, remember wax, you know, uh, <laughs> remember wax on, wax off? I'm wondering now about pushing wax in as opposed to going in, getting the wax, and taking the wax out. Uh, that's a big development. Maybe you need a, a, a different tool, like a gardening tool, maybe some sort of ear tool uh, instead of the typical you know, Q-tip that apparently just pushes it in there. Maybe you need something that gets in there and grabs it and forces it out. Maybe that's what we should do, JJ, develop a device like that. We could be multimillionaires by the time football season rolls around. What do you think? Say that again. We had a caller. Oh, who, uh, I said maybe we could come up with that. Is the caller complaining that I'm not talking sports? No. Okay. Because I'm going to get there. But I, I just figured we'd, we'd begin with this. Um, the Q-tip pushes the wax in the ear. Maybe we could develop some sort of utensil where you go into the ear, uh, into the ear you're able to grab the wax and pull it out. Well, they exist. So. Yeah, but I, I don't know. You and I could come up with something, give it a cool name. Well, they exist already. Make a ton of money. They're out there. Yeah. There, there's places where you go and you get all that taken care of. Yeah, that's my next stop. There's no doubt. All right, I'm checking the text line now for the first time. And uh, quite a few things coming in. In it. <laughs> um, anyway, that is that. So really nothing more that I can say. But it's, it's just... Um, you know, you get sick, you get sick. You're hungover, you, 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 you find ways, you find remedies uh, to get through it, right? Uh, but this thing has just been incredibly annoying. I just can't find a way through it. And, and uh, my brother, a story just like yours, had it for over a year, got all the tests done, wasted a lot of time and a lot of money. Never would have guessed, but it was simply getting onto daily Claritin. It's an allergy medicine. I was shocked how fast. I recovered and stayed good. That is from the 7010. Okay. Uh, yada, yada, yada. 9060. I had an uncle with vertigo. He's deceased. Uh, his deceased wife used to have wolves as pets. And they knew every single time he'd have a spell. They come close to almost take care of him. And before he would have 
uh, a second to tell his wife that he was experiencing a spell. It's the coolest thing I've ever seen. It made me realize that vertigo is one of those mysterious diseases. Ask your ENT about, uh, is it Canilith uh, repositioning? It's crystals in your ear. Go to Mayo or Dr. Green. Yeah, I'm being recommended all these. I've, I've seen a ton of doctors. Again, I get pushed from doctor to doctor. You know, it's like, it's like I'm Pavlov. They just keep sending me down the road. No, we can do all we can do here. Hey, hey, at least you don't have a brain tumor. See ya. Uh, you know, you made, you, you, you made your payment, right? Thank you. All right, we'll see you. We'll send you down the road. Um, there's a threaded ear device that grabs the wax. That is according to 4704. 3371, earwax tools already exist. Can find them on Amazon. That's not good enough. JJ I just and said I, that. I know, but you, we need to have them all around the place. We, we put up a little bin like next to Glenn's Liquors and that that all beef place they have now, or pork. We can have an a, an earwax removal tent. I think we can make a lot of money off this. It's an Asian thing. Okay, they run all those. They're like, uh, you know, they do in the nails. They also are the ear cleaners of the world. So there's no one who cleans ears. Not white people, no. Not Americans. That it's that's a job that uh, you'd have to pay me like three hundred thousand dollars a year to be an ear cleaner guy. Like that's heinous. So I got to go overseas to get this done. No, or like I'm sure there's a place around here that does it. I'm uh, like, I'll look it up. I can almost guarantee that there is a place in Jacksonville that does ear cleaning. I was uh. When I was playing golf on Saturday, I was talking with a buddy who was telling me about Joe Rogan. Is He like goes overseas where he gets like stem cell replacement or whatever, and he gets it for cheap in like Taiwan or something. So what you're telling me is I need to cancel my trip to Vegas in three weeks and instead go to like Taiwan to get my ears cleaned. Or the Jacksonville Hearing and Balance Institute. Okay. Balance is in the word, in the name. That's your thing. <laughs> wow. Uh, Rick, if you had your blood checked, get my blood checked all the time. I don't have low blood, blood sugar. I have high blood sugar. I'm like right on the diabetes. I'm like one, I swear to God, I'm like one foot long hot dog away from complete diabetes. Abandoned ship, BRB. The earwigs bit has no legs. Uh, that's a 7169. Wants me to start talking spots, uh, sports. Uh, Vertigo is a U2 song. It is. The Vertigo tour I saw. I took a week vacation in Chicago, 2005. One of my least favorite U2 songs, to mm-hmm. be fair. Mm-hmm. They opened up with Vertigo three of the shows, and on the fourth show, they opened up with, uh, 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 well, what was that? Uh, the Advertising in the Skies, yada, yada, yada. Um, uh, I can't remember. CBS Minute Clinic does it. Okay. <laughs> Bro, be a man. Use a clothes hanger. Sixty-three fifty-one. Oh my god, dude! I've tried everything. I've taken pen caps. You know, there's been times where, yeah, I mean, anything I can fit in there. I've uh, I've used. All right. Well, I appreciate it. I, I listen. I got about fifty responses. I got one complaint. Said the bit didn't work. It's not even a bit. It's it's about me. It's about for once. Okay, I'm like, listen, I got an issue here. So I, I, I have a mic. I have JJ. I figured I'd use it to try to get myself 
taken care of because I visited all these doctors. And um, I, I am getting quite a bunch of, uh, of stuff here. Here's a guy who says, Telemortoitis, uh, which I like. I believe it's from Telemordu. Uh, Baloo, thank you for holding Balky accountable with your questions. Well, there you go. Th- this guy uh, is obviously been listening to the very beginning part of the program, if he was able to, uh, uh, to give us that. Anyway, if you have something remedy-wise, please let me know. And uh, again, I'm going to see Dr. Shinatri tomorrow, so I'll, I'll get the needling. And I don't know what's next. I, I guess it's my trip there to the uh, – I, I haven't been. That's the only one I haven't visited yet. Maybe that's the one I should have gone to first. You know, someone recommended marijuana. But I don't know if that's fixing, like, balance issues. I can't do marijuana. I'll be worried uh, – every moment I'll be worried about my daughter in Paris. I'll be worried about – you know, I'd just be worried about things that I can't control. I, I just can't do marijuana. I'm just way too paranoid. You know, it was marijuana when you're young and, and, and all you have to worry about is yourself is fine. But when you have other responsibilities and there are others who rely on you, it just messes with my brain. Find me the non-paranoid marijuana. And we'll make 10 times the amount of money as our earwax idea. You just have to get a tolerance. That paranoid stuff is... It's legit, bro. If you don't smoke. I mean, I, I don't know anyone. Everyone I know smokes weed. I don't know anyone who gets like that. Are you serious? Yeah. That's, that's like a very movie thing that I've never even well, experienced uh, you, in my whole life. Well, you're talking to one. Yeah, you don't smoke. I'm saying well, like... Well, that's the it, reason why I don't smoke is because of that reason. I don't think you have a tolerance for it. If you if it was something you did every day, like the caller said, get a marijuana card, and you wouldn't act like that. It, it wouldn't it wouldn't affect you if you would get a tolerance. You would just act normally. It right. would it would it might work. So I chewed tobacco forever, and I haven't done it now in almost four years. But the second I threw that dip in, I would still get that. Same immediate rush that I always got. And I smoke cigars quite a bit if I'm at the beach or I'm golfing. And if it's a full-bodied cigar and I have big-time tolerance, yeah, but that's I'm going to feel that rush. That's not your brain. That, that's not your mental. That's something that's physically happening to you because of the tobacco. Like, you being paranoid is not a physical thing that's happening to you. That's just you in your own mind, you know? So if you gave me like a fake doobie, like a non-alcoholic beer, if you said... <laughs> it, it, like if a you, placebo. Right, if you just line one up and it was nothing. Well, I don't know about that. You think that. I'd still get paranoid? No, I, I don't... I think... I don't know what it is, but I know it's incomparable to a dip or a cigar. It's just not the same. Like, those are things that are physically affecting your physical body. The weed making you paranoid is obviously all mental. I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I just don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Earwax candles uh, stick the, uh, the undocked end in the, in the ear. Earwax the wick. candles. Uh, on the other side, it creates pressure that sucks the wax out. Earwax candles, ladies and gentlemen. 
Okay, JJ is wrong. There's no approach to smoking that will make you paranoid. Not paranoid. Says someone who probably doesn't smoke. 9069. Let's get him in here. Let's fire one up. We'll see who gets paranoid. I'm going to call, I'm going to call our general manager as you guys fire up. This guy says indigo. That's just a type of weed. Mm-hmm. 6351. Blue, two strains, one doesn't give you paranoia. Don't, again, I can't speak on it. But if you were to say to me, if you smoke this marijuana, it'll eliminate your dizziness and lightheadedness, no, then, well, I, it's like then saying, I would do it. It's like saying, hey, I, every time I drink, you know, I get really sick. You know, I... I, I or I laugh. I get really. F- I get, I think it's funny every time I get drunk or something, and I act a fool. I black out or what? Like if you drink all the time, your tolerance isn't getting. You're not gonna be like that. There's, there's Once a lot you of build truth. a tolerance for something, you don't act like that. Yeah, but I never had a paranoid feeling drinking. You're not. I'm just using that as an example, okay. man. Yeah, but, but what I'm telling. The reason why I don't drink now is that I don't want to wake up the next day hungover. The reason why I don't smoke now is that I get paranoid. You understand my di- the difference that it is for me. That's the way I react to both. Um, you know, there's no other way to say it. You, it doesn't have any effect on you, but it does to me. And you think that it's... Not paranoia. It's in my head. Something in my head is making. No, me I think things. you are paranoid. I just think if you smoke, because you don't smoke very often. So, like, you probably—I don't know how often you do, but I know it's not a lot. If you smoke, if you were a smoker, you know, normal weed smokers—they're not paranoid all the time. Like, that's not a thing. Well, let me give you a hint. We'll get ready here like at first break, might, and I'm hey, gonna run outside of my truck. Once a week, smoke like. Maybe, yeah, I'll give you that. But like this caller said, if, if if they have you on like a prescription, he's like, why don't you try medical marijuana? You're supposed to take this much. You don't even have to smoke it, eat it, whatever it is. I'm assuming you would probably gain a tolerance for it pretty quickly, and you would probably be not as paranoid after a while. Okay. I'm going to take your word on it because this has been my experience. Try with, it. Here's been my experience with marijuana. If I smoke marijuana every day, I weigh 300 pounds. Well, that's, yes. Because I'd get paranoid, and then I'd have munchies. And then I'd pass out and fall asleep. And, and have outstanding dreams, probably. But the food is an issue. If oh, you, yeah. If you... Now, is that in your head, too? Or is that, I mean, every time uh, I've yeah, ever smoked marijuana... it's gotta be. It's all in your I, head. I, I need to eat. Need to eat. Drinking does the same for me. I don't know what it is, but... All right, opening comments tonight are brought to you by Schmunez Vision down at the beach. Dr. Nero Schmunez, I went and visited him as well uh, with the issue with my eyes. And I've done it all. And I've had him look at my eyes. And there's have you no smoked with him. <laughs> there's no noticeable difference. I have not uh, with either one of the Schmunezes, which uh, does include Dr. Catherine Schmunez. Uh, but I, I'll tell you what, it's, I, I went and I visited and uh, I spoke with him on it, and he's aware of it. He's been aware of everything uh, that I've been through, including surgery on my right eye eight and a half years ago. 
Dr. Catherine Schmunez, fellowship trained in cornea, cataract surgery, our refractive surgery. Come on, that's more than 30 years plus in laser eye surgery. Visit Schmunez Vision for all the details. Just go to Schmunez Vision. Anything that is your eyes, okay, they are your stop. And again, it's much more than just an eye examination. It's things that are incredibly serious, all right, like cornea problems or issues with uh, perhaps cataract and you need cataract surgery. The list just goes on and on and on. Check them out by going to schmunezvision.com. All right, when we come back, I want to get to this broadcast. Uh, Things are really changing right in front of us in the NFL. It's a real interesting time. I think we're blessed with phenomenal national broadcasters. Um, There's no doubt about that. But but I, I, I feel like we're lost a little bit when it comes to great analysts, right? John Smoltz is phenomenal. Golf has made changes. Uh, the for, former Florida State Seminole, Paul Azinger, no longer in at NBC, right? Remember before that, it was Johnny Miller who was kind of outspoken. Uh, certainly our conversation tonight, though, is going to be about what's going on in football. It looks as though Greg Olson is out. He's going to go from $10 million a year to $3 million a year and will now team up with Joe Davis. Tom Brady is going to make $37.5 million a year. He's going to make about $2 million a broadcast working with Kevin Burkhart. So let's come back, touch upon that as we go into the night right here on this Tuesday. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Man, I was so happy last night. TK Waters gave me that brand new badge. I may cruise down Phillips with that. Get one of those major spotlights on the uh, key GMC. Sierra. Hey, you! And just, like, flash the light and then hold up the badge. Who who got, uh, was it Olden Polonese who got rung up on that, like, a decade plus ago where he was, like, making, like, 12, 13 million a year and he was, like, impersonating a police officer? <laughs> it's, like, one of the greatest stories I've ever heard. Um, Shaq always wanted to be a cop, right? Didn't he do a couple of things with... Police officers in like Orlando. I yeah, think. I think they made him one of those like honorary cops. Yeah, yeah. So Jazz Center Olden Polonese is yeah. that how you say his Olden name? Polonese, yeah. Charged with impersonating a police officer. Uh, one second. It, 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 it had to be 12, 15 years ago. Might might even have been older uh, than that. Oh my god, twenty four years ago. Okay. He just pulled like some kids over. <laughs> I mean, we, we. I know that, like, um, um, you know, the mob or like professional, um, uh, you know, robbers or whatever it may be, at times uh, have done things like that. But who, in their right mind, would actually impersonate a police officer? I, I believe it's a felony if you're convicted. Uh, of it all. All right, we got a lot to do here tonight. Good to have you with us right here on this Tuesday edition. Uh, with you tonight till 10. Rest of the week will be here from 6 until 8. Uh, a couple of things here with um, what is going on broadcast-wise. Uh, in the 
National Football League. First things first, there's, there's been a lot of stories that have been written as of late about how Tony Romo and Jim Nance do not get along. And for starters, that doesn't really matter much to me. Um, Todd McShay, before Todd made it on ESPN, okay, Todd and I were really tight. He worked with Gary Horton, and it was something called the War Room, which we were a big part of at the Sporting News and Sporting News Radio. And there was a time that Todd McShay would always be kind of shadowing a a broadcast team of uh, uh, Mike Godfried and, oh, my gosh, he passed a couple of years ago. What what was it? Ron Franklin. Ron Franklin and, and Mike Godfrey. Great team. It, they were. And they just and, – and remember, uh, Frankel would say, let's send it down to you, Adrian Carstens. And unfortunately, Adrian Carstens uh, took his own life. But Ron Franklin and Mike Godfrey did not get along. They didn't get along at all. And, and it's pretty amazing that if you think about it, how you can't get along when it's a seasonal gig and you're only really with each other – if you've got a Saturday night broadcast, you get in for a Thursday, Friday, and a Saturday. So the working hours are, are not all that long. But still, egos clash, whatever. It, the, the case of Tony Romo and Jim Nance, and, and I got all this from McShay. McShay used to come on with me every single Friday night, you know, before he got the gig uh, at ESPN. This was in the early 2000s when he was working, again, with Gary Horton in the war room. But, you know, the Romo-Nance deal... It's starting to upset a lot of people because Nance has always been, you know, kind of like the the leisure gentleman, and now he's become grandfatherly, right? He's getting up there in age a little bit. He's so good. I mean, Nance is far and away my, my favorite broadcaster, whether it's golf or whether it's the National Football League. And Romo's like a young kid, right? He's like a kid that you got to kind of calm down. He's like a kid you got to turn around when you're driving and tell him to put his seatbelt on and behave. And, you know, people are making this big deal about Romo's a guy that's got the Bob Euchre seat, so you want to drink a beer with, whereas, you know, Nance is the guy you sit down and maybe sip a scotch with. And I don't have a problem if if people do not get along. And, And I think what they've done is they've tried to kind of force the fact that they get along by each and every time that Romo speaks, he can't say more than seven to 10 words without mentioning Nance by his name. Jim. There's not another broadcast in the world. Who does that? Jim. I mean, you can go back forever. It So it, it sounds forced. I'm okay with it. I, I'm not a Romo hater. It, it feels like the Romo deal you got to go one way or another. You either love them or you hate them. You don't tolerate them, right? I seem to be in that category. I I I tolerate them. I I I didn't I didn't hate Phil Sims. People went crazy towards the end of the Phil Sims era with Jim Nance. I I didn't see it. But but here's my concern, JJ, is I think we have phenomenal play-by-play broadcasters. Nance, I bucks a little full of himself at times. But, but he's, he's good. He's still very good. Burkhart, Joe Davis, Mike Tirico, 
is is absolutely phenomenal. I, I've given you my opinion on Al. I and Eagle. A- Al's gotten old and he's gotten crumungy, but but he's still <laughs> um, he's still on Mount Rushmore. What about color analysts, though? It seems like no matter who you are in football, there's more criticism here than there is support outside of maybe Greg Olson, who's the guy that's really going to get uh, the major kickback here. He's going to go from $10 million to $3 million, uh, working with Joe Davis. Now, apparently the way that the contract reads, and this comes from Andrew Marchand, who's done a phenomenal job for decades with the New York Post. It was just announced today that he is joining the Athletic. So, obviously a pay raise for him, but he's probably, you know, he's the Rudy Martsky of today. He is going to be the guy that has most of the media news and, and the comings and the goings and, and all that stuff that is taking place. He said that if Greg Olson does get picked up and gets a number one job from another network, that $10 million um, can either be what he will make at another network or they'll rip that up and give him a brand new contract. And where I am right now, I think Greg Olson's the best of them all. I think he's better than Troy Aikman. I think he's better than Tony Romo. I think he's better than Dr. Herbstreet. And I think he's absolutely better than Chris Collinsworth. Where are you right now with these broadcasters? I like Olson, but I think... I've never like watched a broadcast of him and be like, "Whoa, this guy is like next level elite, great." But I don't feel like that about any of them, like you said. Um, quickly back to Romo, I am a hundred percent in agreement with you. I think the hate on Romo is like, I don't think it's real. I think it's almost concocted. You know, when people are on Twitter and everybody else is saying something, they have to say the same exact thing. Like, they have to let you know that my opinion is the preferred opinion of Twitter as well. So I'm one of you guys. It's almost like a fear of missing out type thing. And Twitter, we know, is just piling on. It's all about hate. You can never be positive about anything on there. So I wasn't surprised this happened with Romo. But I, I'm with you. I don't think he does a bad job. When it comes to the color guys, I I don't think any of them stick out as being bad. And to me, that's all that matters. As long as you're not annoying me and you're bad at your job, then I don't really care. Yeah. I, it doesn't bother me. There has to be examples. Like, I was never down on Collinsworth until that Super Bowl performance of a couple of years ago with the Rams. Where, yeah, when, when OBJ went down and, and, and it was just, it was so over the top. And I get it. I'm sure the players love him because he goes overboard to tell everyone that that's the greatest play he's ever seen by the greatest player he's ever seen. And he's like Dick Vitale in a way that he is absolutely positively promoting the game. Yeah, he loves promoting the sport. All the quarterbacks and this guy. Oh, you got to see this guy, Al or Mike. Like, yeah, he's he loves what he does, which is infectious. You know, when you watch it, there's nothing worse than we say it all the time about Al. Ever since he's gone two Thursdays and done the Amazon game, which ninety percent of them suck, you can tell. He is not enjoying himself. He doesn't like that. He doesn't want to be there. So as a viewer, you're kind of like feeling the same way. Record-setting numbers 
uh, over the weekend uh, on Championship Sunday. And I've always maintained this. And apparently, I'm wrong. Okay? But I've always maintained that it doesn't matter who the broadcaster is. It doesn't matter who the broadcast team is. Are you trying to tell me that you, we're going to get Nansen Romo? That less people would watch if it was Buck or Aitman? That less people would watch if it was Burkhart and Olsen? That less people would watch if it was Michaels and Herbstreit? Especially in the play. Like, <laughs> oh, I wasn't going to watch the NFC Championship game, but Greg Olsen's doing it. I really can't stand that guy. So I'll, I'll just pass on this one. I, I find it. I funded it now. I mean, you could even take the the last team on CBS or Fox, and I I just don't think that people are not going to watch because of that broadcast team. But I'm convinced that this is the way that networks are thinking. All those people are going to watch anyway. Let's bring in new people. Look at the Taylor Swift deal. I mean, and and all the hate with Taylor Swift to me. Is really kind of uh, is really humorous. I mean, again, you you, you got to be an nasty old salt <laughs> to really be bothered by the Taylor Swift Kansas City Chiefs deal. I I, I think you, you you probably hate the Chiefs. You've probably had it with Mahomes. You've probably had it with Mahomes' wife. You've had it with Kelsey. Because if you're down on Taylor Swift, if, if you're a normal dad and you have kids running around. Those kids want to watch this game. They want to see a glimpse of Taylor Swift. Who, who could possibly be opposed to something like that? But anyway, that's my example. I is, think part of that's also the Romo's. Like the Romo online hate is also Taylor Swift hate. Like, you know what? You uh, do make, people yeah. really even feel like that? Or are you just saying it on Twitter? How can you really feel so pissed about that? I, I call BS on most of those yeah. The people saying how annoyed they are. It's like, why? Because they show her in the crowd for 10 seconds, like once a quarter? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Big deal. I, I would think that you generate losing gamblers. Are upset <laughs> yeah, about yeah. After you know? the Chiefs score because you have the other, you know, you have the Ravens or whatever. So where does that leave us? The greatest football player of all time, Tom Brady, 10 years, 37 and a half. Million dollars. Third, I mean, 375 million. Okay. He's going to make 37 and a half a year. Where does that leave us? And Brady is now entering in the category of love or hate. There's no in between for Tom Brady. So is Tom Brady going to bring millions and millions of housewives to the broadcast? He's not going to bring any more of the meat and potato fans like us. We're going to be there. If, if Brady's in town to do a Jaguars game, or if Brady's on the road to do a Jaguars game, you're not going to not watch it because it's Tom Brady. Okay, you are. But you're paying this man that amount of money isn't the expectations that he is going to bring millions and millions of more viewers for each and every game. And how good is he really going to be? Here we are trying to figure out Romo and Collinsworth and why Herb Street's actually doing the NFL. What is time? Now, we've seen a guy like John Smoltz enter. 
and it was like a new brand. I liked Tim. I liked the late Tim McCarver. McCarver was another guy that people despised. I loved the late Joe Morgan when he was on with John Miller on Sunday Night ESPN. Joe Morgan was was. Remember they had a website on Joe Morgan, the uh, the kind of the fake. Joe like firejoemorgan.com. Do you remember or, that? Yeah. It was set up by like, I mean, it was so cowardly. It was set up by apparently important members of the media. Oh, really? Who did it. I didn't know that. They did it underground. All as an alias. I and thought it, it was just fans. No, no, no. No, it, but. That's nasty. So, all right, let's, let's hold this thought because we, we're way overdue. And I, I'm, we're getting some good thoughts on this from you at 641-1010 on our text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. What are you going to expect from Tom Brady? I mean, when you're paying, you're paying him for what he did on the field, but now you want to know it's third and three. Um, all right, it's fourth and three, and you're on the thirty. Do you go for it or do you kick a field goal in the NFC Championship game? Doesn't he have to be decisive before that? They're making a mistake here. You kick the field goal, or no, 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 you go for it. You gone for it all year. What what type of in game, is Tom Brady going to give the listeners to be worth $37.5 million a year? Think about that. That's as much as any quarterback playing the game right now. I guess I'd have to look at the, the latest money on Watson and Hurts and Herbert or what have you, but that's got to be up there. I mean, we know that Trevor Lawrence is going to play this year for $11,700,000. Tom Brady's going to make, you know, three times that. In one year as a broadcaster. Let's come back. 641-1010 on the text line if you want to join us. Brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Florida State after the ACC. We may get there later in the show. We're having a lot of fun tonight, though, right? I want to hear lawyers and amended complaints and 59 pages of filed information. It is pretty hilarious, though, when you look at the former commissioner of the Atlantic Coast Conference, John Swafford, uh, hand-delivering a really an enormous deal. Uh, to his son, Chad, over at uh, Raycom. He got him the deal, and, like, right after it, all of a sudden the son becomes the president and general manager of Raycom. Pretty hilarious stuff. But, anyway, that's more of a serious um, type of story, and and we may get to that tonight. Uh, If not, it's not going to go anywhere. Maybe tomorrow. But I I am starting to wonder. If Florida State is going to be able to find ways to create enough where they can get out of those grant of rights and get out without paying the withdrawal fee. Almost had a Greg Larson moment there on the air. Rest in peace, Greg. Good man. Um. So, you know, you can leave the GOR, which is signed through the year 2036, but it's going to cost you what? What was the latest report? You know, $550 million. Florida State's 
planning on spending no money except to their lawyers. All right, let's get back to the Brady situation. So where are we here? <coughs> Excuse me. Where are we with, with Tom Brady? I mean, what's it going to take? What's this guy going to have to do uh, in, in, in order to, uh, unfortunately for him, we are aware of the amount of money that he's making way ahead of really anything else. I, I, I just, we, we don't know how much money Joe Bucks makes a year. We don't know how much money Troy Aikman makes a year. We don't know how much Herb Street makes and what Tariq, we've known from day one. Well, we found out that Tony Romo, when he redid his contract, is making $18 million a year, okay? <clears throat> so Romo's making basically a million dollars a year. Same and, as Aikman, by the way. And did he take a day, remember last year he took like at least one game, maybe two games off, they gave him a break? You remember that story? Yes. Like, uh, was it just, was it when they had like a, Two games in one week, maybe. I don't remember the specifics of it, but absolutely, he did yeah. not do all the games. They, I forget, was it? I don't. I forget who they moved in his place. But how good uh, of a gig is that? Hey, you know what? If you don't feel like doing every game, it's fine. I say it all the time, and I'm in a totally different world. I mean, I I speak um, where I'm heard on a radio, but I never take time off during football. Why would you? I got my first vacation coming up in three weeks. Same. I haven't had a day off since late July. I've had a couple of individual days off because the Jaguars had like a uh, a Thursday night game or, or something else happened. But I and, and listen, I'm not saying that because I want you to. Be, oh my God, Blue! I mean, the guy's Lou Gehrig. You know, he's Lou Gehrig. No, it's it, it's not that. It's just I I you know I I'll take plenty of vacation, but I'll do it during non football season. Okay. I I usually take four weeks. I think I'm allowed to take five. I've been here for 18 plus years. I'm not even sure what it is, but I I, I take it during the off season. I'm never going. Why would you take time off during during football? Every day there's another story. That's just my way of looking at it. But uh, by the way, yeah, Aikman had to ESPN had to match Romo's salary for Aikman when he came over from CBS or from Fox. So he also makes 18. It's incredible money. Yeah, it is. Hmm. I I don't even know what to think uh, about this anymore. I I just they know so much more than I know because I I tend to really believe. Remember how year after year after year they they just kept screwing up Monday Night Football, and and it's like. It's like these same decision makers really had no idea how to do it. Maybe you had like Steve Levy and Lou Riddick and Brian Greasy. Tony Kornheiser, they did it. They uh, did the Booger Mobile. They did, uh, what's his name, the comedian? I can't remember his name. Oh, yeah. Uh, Early 2000s. Yeah, he used to be on with Bill O'Reilly all the time. Um, can't even think of his name. Yeah, he's Dennis Lee or Den- Dennis Miller. Dennis Miller. Uh, and 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 before that, they had a solid nucleus for years. When you had Al Michaels, Frank Gifford, and Darren Deardorff, but people were upset with that. They didn't like Deardorff. And I used to have from with Frank Frank uh, Gifford. I used to call you know, I used to call him Frank Gifford only because he he just he bungled everything. 
but I think it was more of old age. Uh, and, you know, broadcasting, when you think about it historically speaking, that Monday night football really became something special. And the broadcast team, out of everything I've said here about how broadcasters don't matter, in my opinion, for eyeballs on television sets, it absolutely did when Monday, Monday night football came into existence. There's no question about it. And when you got to the best team, when you, you, know, when you had uh, Howard Cosell in there with, uh, you know, with Keith Jackson and, um, you know, you had O.J. Simpson in there for a couple of years. You had uh, Don Meredith in there uh, for a couple of years. Uh, actually, I don't remember if O.J. actually did Monday Night Football. I may be wrong with that. They had so many different uh, broadcasters. But, um, you know, I, I think it mattered then. I, I really do. But I, I'll be really interested to see how all of this pans out uh, beginning next year when it, it does occur here with Tom Brady. What do you think? What, 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 do, you, what do you envision here with Brady? And, and I, the, the, the media who critiques, like the Andrew Marshans and, and what have you, that's one thing. Well, what do you think fans, what do you think they're going to say here about Brady? I think at first it's going to be like it was, by the way, 84 and 85 OJ was with uh, Frank Gifford and Don Meredith. Uh, 85 he was with Frank Gifford and Joe Namath. On Monday Night Football? Yeah. Okay. Um, I am really intrigued. I think that at first we're going to be like pleasantly surprised. Like, okay, he's better than I thought, you know, for not ever doing this before. He's pretty good. But then what's going to happen is happens to everybody and people are going to be like, all right, we're going to have to hate on this guy now. What are we going to, you know, same thing with Romo. People get tired and they just want to find a reason to hate on a guy and they will. I think he'll be just a run of the mill color commentator, not going to say anything that's going to make you go, oh my God, he's the best, but he's also not going to suck. So what that means is he's not going to be worth $37 million a year. But yeah. whatever. It is what it is. You're 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 only worth what someone's willing to pay you, so good for him. But, yeah, I agree with you. These guys are all overpaid. No one's watching because Tom Brady's going to do the game. I guarantee it's, like you said, they're the number one team. So it's going to be the number one game of the week. It's going to be the Cowboys, you know, at 4 o'clock against the Packers. Or It's already going to be games we're already watching. Yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Um, when I when I got started in this business in the early '90s, I was an intern for ABC ESPN, and they would come into Tallahassee, okay, or I'd leave and go to Gainesville, or I'd leave and go to Atlanta, uh, and this included Monday Night Football games, which at that point there was no Jacksonville. You had Tampa, you had Miami, you had Atlanta, you had New Orleans. Those it was geographic, right? Uh, it, it, we would we would drive. We, we were interns. I'd make like 100 bucks a day. And for Saturday, you'd work Thursday and Friday and then Saturday. So it's, it's a three-day event. And there's a lot of rehearsal. There's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, obviously, kind of looking back on it now, I, I, I think it was, to some extent, not everyone needed to be there, if that makes any sense. Well, obviously that came into fruition because look at the Troy Aikman. I mean, Troy Aikman had that longstanding Monday night football executive producer and director uh, removed 
Yeah. After his first year there with Joe Buck, okay, they switched and went to the primetime Saturday night game in college football, and they brought in that crew. Apparently, Aikman is just a bear to work with, but Aikman doesn't show up until game day. He is on a private plane that gets there either late on a Saturday night or if it's a 1 o'clock Sunday game, you know, he'll get there late on a Saturday night where you're supposed to be there on a Friday and you're supposed to be in the bowels Friday, Saturday to get ready for a Sunday game. That's the way it was when we would travel to New Orleans for a game on Monday night football. We'd get there on Saturday, you'd be there Saturday and Sunday, and the game would be on Monday night. And Gifford and Michaels and uh, and Darren Deardorff, they were there. Same thing on a Thursday when I was Lynn Swan's sideline uh, intern, sideline assistant intern, whether it was him or Jack Aroot or whether it was Dr. Jerry Punch. They used to call him the Punch Doctor. No matter who it was, you would they'd be there on a Thursday. Okay? You'd have Bob Greasy and Keith Jackson and Lynn Swan. There on a Thursday. There on a Friday. The broadcast on a Saturday. Well, now that we've, and this is the early 90s, now we're seeing stars, Aikman and Buck, we don't have to be there on a Friday. We don't have to be there to talk with the coaches on a Friday, on a, on a Friday and a Saturday. We'll come in on a Saturday night. We'll let the others, we'll let uh, the Aaron Andrews's, the, uh, uh, you know, whoever it may be. We'll let them, Tom Rinaldi's, all of these, uh, what's the, What's her name? Was it Melanie Collins? Mel, you know, we'll let them do these sit-downs. We'll let them do the pregame with the coaches and the players and the, you know, the eight guys that you have in the studio doing the analyst pregame, in-game. They can do all that, and we'll show. Tom Brady's work ethic is historic. It's Tiger Woods-esque. It's Michael Jordan-esque. This guy works so hard. Is he going to take direction? Is he going to look at some producer that's probably making three, four hundred grand a year? I don't know. They may be making more at that top position, whatever it is. And this guy's making more than they're making one game. In one game, is he going to take direction? Is he going to take corrective criticism? Okay, remember the, one of the big things with Aikman was on his uh, the old John Madden, whatever it is, where you draw on the, right, right. The, the one. It, it at uh, at ESPN and ABC. It wasn't the same as Fox. Bring in Foxes, which but they did. He didn't get in there on a Friday and Saturday. Okay, you're supposed to be in there to work. He didn't get in there. He he came in last minute because he's the Hall of Famer Troy Aikman. I'm making eighteen million dollars a year. I'm not going to get in early. And do, well, he didn't know what to do. He exploded on air. Critiqued on air. And what happened at the end of the season? The executive producer, the executive director, removed. The guy who's been there for, it wasn't like he was like three years into it. No, 20-some odd years. Yeah. Okay, that's the power that Aikman had. So think about being, think about being a producer. Think about being involved with this job. Are you going to have the kahunas to go up to Tom Brady and say, Tom, you're not doing this the right way. You need to do it this way. So that's number one. And number two, if he does it, how's Tom Brady going to handle it? And, and do you think Tom Brady is going to be a guy that if you have a, you know, let's say there's a huge game here, okay, and Fox rolls in. 
You think Tom Brady's going to roll into Jacksonville on a Wednesday night or a Thursday morning and 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 be in the bowels Thursday or excuse me Friday Saturday before the broadcast on Sunday, or is it Tom Brady where he's got a chopper or he's got a plane and he rolls in late on a Saturday? What from do you think it's going to be from his home in Tampa? You know, like Sunday morning he makes the someone drives him up here or something. Yeah, I I think that. He'll probably be here for the – I don't know when the meetings are with the coaches or whatever, but it seems like you sort of have to be at those. But I, I, I get what you're saying. After maybe a year or so of, like, going hard, I want to do this, I'm, I'm putting my whole life into this because I am Tom Brady and I only know, you know, all gas, no brakes. But then maybe I don't need to in year three. I could see that happening. No. I, more, I'm more interested if, if he's – because a lot of these guys are unwilling to be – I don't need you to be nasty about players when they're not doing well, but I really want you to be, you know, less uh, sunshine and rainbows than no. most of these guys are. I want you to be critical, especially on quarterbacks. Not enough criticalness on quarterbacks from these play by or from these color guys, in my opinion. All right, final thought. Uh, actually, let's take a quick break. Uh, why don't we do that? And we, we come back. Uh, this involves um, more of the NFL, not necessarily NFL media, but the NFL. And once again, just how incredibly hypocritical um, this great brand is, uh, a brand that we all love. But at times, you just look at it and and really shake your head. We'll come back. We'll get into that. Give you an opportunity to get uh, your opinion in as well at 641-1010. That is our text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosure. Let's go into the night with Rick Balloon on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Tomorrow night, 6 to 8, right at 625. Tomorrow night, Dave Campo. Want to get into it with him on these uh, reported defensive Changes, really the only one that we know officially is Ryan Nielsen and is the uh, defensive coordinator, of course, came from Atlanta. Um, a lot of speculation out there on others, and um, you know, I got to imagine it's going to be coming to our attention fairly soon. I know that several are out at the Senior Bowl. I'm going to have a report on that coming up tomorrow night as well. I've been doing a lot of reading on the Senior Bowl. I know NFL Network. Is, uh, is picking it up. It's always a pretty interesting week. Uh, this one, then, you know, late February with the, uh, with the combine is, uh, is always good as well. Uh, no doubt about that. All right, getting a lot of response, 641-1010, if you'd like to get on in and um, give us your opinion. Uh, here's something that I found was really interesting today, speaking of the, uh, the NFL Network. Um, not a fan of Kyle Brandt. Regardless, he he was interviewed, and he came out and made a big deal about the Super Bowl in Las Vegas, and basically saying he's not going to go anywhere near any casinos, he's not going to touch a slot machine, not going to do anything along those lines, because within his contract, it states that he cannot gamble as an employee of NFL media. The paycheck comes directly from the NFL, and yeah, I found this very intriguing that. You can't go anywhere without the NFL's association with gambling. It's all over the place, and it's paying the NFL billions of dollars 
a year. But it's really intriguing how that is handled and how it's not handled. Okay, for instance, we run commercials uh, that involve gambling and have for quite some time. I, I remember I was like, I think it was last year. It might have been two years ago. I um, did a report on, uh, you know, I, I, I do some pregame stuff and some reports. They, they always were live. Uh, now that I'm at the Saigon reporter, I'm doing a taped one. Well, I, you know, I sent it in. It was just a basic report, and it was something like, you know, in the last six games that the Jaguars have played, um, they were an underdog. In five of those sets. And this is going back a couple of years ago. And, you know, I was phone rang, told, hey, man, straight up. We can't run that. I'm like, what do you mean you can't run it? I'm like, we cannot mention in your report that the Jaguars have been underdogs in five out of the last six games. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me, right? I'm like, no, it's an NFL rule. I'm like, okay. So we're going to run NFL gambling commercials on television, on radio, uh, on every NFL, you know, entity website that you go to. It's, it's, it's such a part of the game. I mean, you can't talk about the matchup without saying who's favored and what the overall total in the game is. Yet, when you're directly involved with the NFL, you, you can't mention it. So here's Kyle Brandt. And he wasn't speaking necessarily for others, but I, he was speaking for himself. And the way I read it kind of in between the lines is that this has been a conversation piece with a lot of those folks who work at the NFL Network. They're going to Las Vegas where everything is so incredibly enticing. Everything is right there for them. And when you're of a celebrity status like he is being on national television, and can you imagine the former players who are on that network? Okay, I'm sure they have opportunities that I can't even imagine about coming to my casino, come play poker at our table, come do this, come make a bet at our sports book. And I'm sure they're 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 fronted money. I mean, you sign up to these websites. They basically double your money. I know you're going to lose it. Right. Right. But I mean, can you imagine if you're. You know, Kurt Warner or your Brian Balding or you're Michael so, Irvin. Right. You're, you're someone that and, 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 and it goes down to the likes of a Kyle Brandt as well. But I can't imagine what they're offered. OK, you under the NFL way. It's a no. No, I'm sorry. I can't do that. You know, I, I, I can't be a part of it. So. I just, again, I think it's really hypocritical, unless maybe you disagree with it. Maybe you say, hey, Blue, tough. You know what? They have great jobs. They make fantastic money. I'm sure they get insane perks where they get to go play golf here, do this. They get free restaurants, all this. This is the one time the Super Bowl is in Las Vegas. They can't go gambling in a casino, period. Tough. End of story. I'm sure there's a lot of people who take that hard line. So is that if you're just an NFL employee? Or if you're an employee covering the game in general, I mean, there's no way you can be like, hey, uh, media members are not allowed to gamble. You know, like no. they're staying at the Luxor. I, I just saw that today, by the way, that 
all the media members are staying in the Luxor, and the the pyramid will be shaped like a Dorito. <laughs> the week of the Super Bowl. Branding always. Um, speaking of that, the Super Bowl itself will have three gambling ads. Mm. So there's one that's going to play right before the game starts, and then two during the game. So they're not shying away from taking the money from these sports books. That's for damn sure. Let me. Here's my understanding. If if I was to go to this year's Super Bowl, which I'm not, and I was to gamble on a game, I wouldn't want anyone to know about it. Okay, this I I was aware of this while I was the sideline reporter, but I think I don't think I know that we talked about something towards the latter part of the summer where this was going to be a year after 10 plus that I was going to get back into gambling and that I was going to play my weekly picks on air for everyone to know. And then you could grade either my success or my failure with my week, my weekly picks. I'm still involved, albeit not a major role, but I'm still involved on the pregame show. Because of NFL rules, the same thing that applies here to Kyle Brandt at the NFL Network, because of NFL rules, if I still wanted to do what I do on the pregame show on the Jaguars Radio Network, I cannot bet and legally talk about those bets on my radio show. Right. So I, I elected to not to not bet this year. And you do see during the broadcast of the games, they're not talking about it. Like, maybe you might see on the bottom line during a game like a point spread, and but during the broadcast, you're not going to catch Jim or yeah. Tony like ever referencing Al a point Al does spread. a little bit. He does, like, <clears throat> he tries to do it in a very sneaky way, though. Right. Like, you could tell that he's been talked to not to do it. Um, but, yeah, they totally ignore that, which mm-hmm. I find mind-blowing, especially nowadays when, like, almost every state it's legal, and especially during the Super Bowl when everybody is betting on the Super Bowl. Even if you just are playing those square games, you know, with people at work, you buy a square, whatever it is, everybody's got something on it. Like, I always thought that was weird that these – uh, TV stations, and, and you know it's from the top, you know it's the NFL telling them not to, that they just ignore such a massive part of their fan base. All right, so here's where we are, okay? That is their rule. And again, I was given an option. I elected to stay on the Jaguars radio network uh, for a pregame hit, and I'm glad that I spent another year out of gambling. I, I don't. I don't know if that's going to be the case in seven, eight months, whatever it is. I've, I've got plenty of time to, uh, to give that some thought. But here's where I am with all of it. The NFL obviously has major fear about players and coaches gambling. Is not allowing members of the media who are associated directly with the NFL, is it because it's another link of an employee of theirs? who works for them and they don't want them associated with gambling? Or is it maybe Kyle Brandt, maybe, maybe Baloo down in Jackson, maybe he's got inside information. It can't be that. 
Maybe he's got inside information on he's betting this game for this. Not because he's good at gambling, not because he does his homework, but because he covers the team. He's aware of something that others are not. I don't think it's that at all. I think it's because it's still had that had past tense that like seediness you know you know when Jimmy the Greek's on CBS talking about lines and stuff it it seems like an underground thing oh, like yeah. crime it is an it's underground run by thing. crime and stuff but not anymore <laughs> so I, that's why I'm like I would expect it to be talked about more than it actually is because it is legal now and you're not having to deal with bookies and uh, yeah, I know that's why they don't like doing it. But now that times have changed, I thought they would, uh, you know, I thought we'd have like a, uh, this is Mike Tirico's same game parlay of the night yeah. or something like that. And we really don't see a lot of it. Like the pregame shows, yes. The pregame shows are packed with, Guys picking lines and spreads oh and fans God. presented by FanDuel and whatever. Every single but one of them. But during the game, no. Eh. It's odd. Because if you watch a basketball game, which I know a lot of you guys aren't, but during NBA games, they're showing, hey, this is the live line right now. Like, if you want to go to FanDuel or whatever and catch the Lakers minus four and a half right now, you can. Like, they're advertising it during the broadcasts. It's just not like that in the NFL quite yet. Let me say this, that regardless of how well of a job you do covering a team, in today's football, unless you have inside sources and leaks, I don't care if you're down there every single day in the locker room. I don't care if you're down there for the first 15 minutes of media availability. You're not going to find anything out until they get into individual drills and team drills. And when you're told that they either DMP, did not practice, were on a limited basis and end up being questionable, th- that's all you're going to get. You, In order to – just because you cover a team doesn't mean you really know what's got – look at that whole Trevor Lawrence situation during his fourth injury. Actually, his last injury, the shoulder. You remember that whole debacle? Doug Peterson telling us he's going to go. He's going to practice today. He's going to be limited. He's going to go individually, not team. And then we find out two hours later that he didn't go. And if if you look at what happened with the money and and how things were changing in Las Vegas, well, you know, what what if someone called me, hey, what's going on over there? I, I don't know what's going on over there. The Doug Peterson press conference told us he was going to go. Media accessibility for 15 minutes. Members of the media went out there, and he was moving around. didn't pick up a football. Then we find out two hours later that he never picked up a football. Um, The limited is crucial. What really happens when you are limited? Do you throw two balls? Do you throw 50 balls? Do you throw only short stuff? And the only way you're going to have that is by trusting someone who puts their job on the line by leaking information to you. Most of the information, ladies and gentlemen, most of it comes from players to family members or their agents. And that's why most of the national guys get it. 
because they have relationships with agents. Whether they pay those agents or not, I don't know. But that's why the local guy doesn't get it. Okay, He doesn't have that source. That's why Rappaport and Schefter and those guys, they get it. And, you know, I know so many people down that would never ask for the benefit of trying to tell you whether or not a guy's going to play or whether or not to play the three, lay the three or take the three. Yet I'm asking someone to put their job. No way. That's bad. That's bad business. It really is. So I tend to agree with, with JJ on that side of it. Just because you're there, I mean, it's not like the old days. You are not watching the entire practice. You just don't know. All right, we got much more to do. We do tonight till 10. Tomorrow night, rest of the week as well, 6 to 8. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, beginning tomorrow night, we're going to give you some senior ball updates. Yeah, we got a football game coming up Saturday at 1. Look at tomorrow's stars. And uh, today, it's all about the, the big eaters, right? Uh, all this talk on uh, the Oregon Center, JPJ, Jackson Powers Johnson. Really the talk of the day. I kind of hate it. Um, if you were to tell me right now that Jacksonville at number 17 is going to take a center, the highest-ranked center, and if it is Jackson Powers Johnson, sign me up. Look at this, not this week, but look at next week's Super Bowl. What do they have in common? Tyler Linderbaum, Baltimore, first-round pick. Creed Humphrey, Kansas City, first-round pick. Both were day-one starters. Combined, they have allowed one total pressure. Okay, um, they are dominant centers, and it can't be expressed enough. We saw the combo massage of Trent Bulky last week and Doug Peterson a few weeks prior to that. They did whatever they needed to do to try to say that it's not Luke Fortner's fault. He is going to get better. Bulky last Thursday even said it was systematic, which I didn't get. The ego is going to be really intriguing here. Trent Bulky used a third-round pick. It's, it's on his watch. Do you just say that's it? Or do you convince this guy and convince your coaching staff, your strength and conditioning staff, your offensive line coach, Phil Rauscher, Back to Cedric Scott and his strength. Make him stronger. I, I, I just don't care how much stronger you're going to make him in one year. He gets blown off the football. You have to address this position. And today the offensive line was really the star on this Tuesday, and I, I, I kind of hated it that it was a lot of recognition right there for the center position. Because I, I do think that if at number 17, you know, it comes out and Jacksonville selects the center, my guess is understanding this audience a little bit, understanding these Jaguar fans, you're probably not going to be all that excited about it. You know, it's, it's, um, the offensive line's not going to do it for you, even though it's the biggest position in need. And we'll find out what they do with guys like Calvin Ridley. But I understand. I mean, three-fourths of that secondary is in the final year of its contract. 
This is it for Darius Williams. And heck, he could be a salary cap casualty. He makes $11 million. It's only a $500,000 dead cap hit. I'd keep him around. Again, we don't know what he's going to be in, in more of this press-style defense and man coverage. That's one of the many reasons why I'm bringing Dave Campbell on tomorrow night at 625 to, to talk about those exact ideas. What does he believe about? And, and it's funny because – actually, it's not funny. It's, it's, uh, it's bizarre. Because you heard Bulky explain that it's really not man-to-man, that it's almost like zone concepts and zone principles and that zone defense can become man-to-man depending on how the actual play is run. It it really it sounded like one of two things for Trent Bulky. Either A, he has no idea what he's talking about, or B, he knows so much what he's talking about that none of us else did, if that makes any sense. And, and is you know I hope we have that quote for tomorrow night. I want to play that for Dave Campo tomorrow night, and I'm sure he heard it originally. But and I'm not ripping bulky here. Maybe he knows, and I don't. But I I want that right there to go to Dave Campo, and I and I want to have him explain what he does believe because he's a free you know that's final year of his deal. It's final year of Tyson Campbell. It's the final year of Andre Cisco, and I just know the way you are. You, you want a, a dazzling pick. You want a skill position guy pick. But that's not the way they need to go in this year's draft. They need to go in the middle and get themselves more offensive linemen. So we'll have more on that coming up uh, tomorrow night. That should be interesting. We, we kind of find ourselves in a little bit of a lull here as far as coaching hires, um, college and pro. Actually, for the most part, everything is done in college. Uh, Florida State did have Rick Stock still, which I loved. I mean, this guy played there from 77 to 81. He spent 18 years at Middle Tennessee State. Just beat Miami, right? Yeah, he did. He beat <laughs> Miami a couple years ago. That and, really pissed me off. Mm-hmm. But he was like the second longest tenured coach. 18 years, right? Yeah. Behind only Kirk Ferentz. And they're bringing him in as, a, as an offensive analyst which um which I love over there because it when I when I mention that it sounds like Bama right you know Bama has all these extra coaches that work with Nick Saban and many of them go from uh, an analyst role to eventually a coaching role again whether it's Bama or you know kind of like a reclamation project if you will uh, reigniting your career coach rehab yeah Florida State doesn't do a lot of this, hasn't done a lot of this. So I, I, I like the idea of uh, of Rick Stock still uh, coming into Florida State. One other note, we got to take another break, don't we? Yeah, okay. Uh, now it's Tennessee. So we've gone from Florida State to Florida to Tennessee. So the NCAA apparently has been active, and uh, their investigation is uh, is going to lead to something as well. I, I think it's going to be a summer that is just filled with this. My guess is that there'll be somewhere in the neighborhood of of eight to ten schools when it's all said and done, where the NCAA has has found something within the NIL that they say um, is not legit. And you know, again, what is the end result going to be of all this? We we've, we've already seen what has been reported with Florida State. We'll see officially what comes up here with UF and Tennessee. 
as well. So let's take our final break of the night. And, uh, again, that should be a lot of fun coming up right at 625 tomorrow night. Always enjoy the conversations with our, our, our good pal Dave Campo. But I'm, I'm really interested in the style here. And, again, I think a great coach is a coach who looks at his talent, looks at his team, and then decides what you can do with the talent that you have in your team. Not be hard-headed and say, I have the best scheme in America. You players learn that scheme. It's the coach who has to change first, in my opinion, not the player. And is that the way it's going to be with Ryan Nielsen? I, I, I don't know that answer to that question. You know, my, my only surprise with Nielsen, I did think that Doug Peterson would go for a more experienced coach. Because, as you know, when he began this franchise, he had a first-time offensive, defensive, and special teams coordinator. Now he brings in a coordinator who has one-year experience in Atlanta, and then he was a co-defensive coordinator for one year prior to that in New Orleans. That's not a lot of experience. But anyway, that is the uh, direction that uh, Doug Peterson elected to go. Final thoughts coming up on the other side. Get you ready for Hacker Nation. Now. Today's Takeaways, brought to you by Key Buick GMC, where our family dealership has been helping families buy vehicles for over 50 years. All right, today's Takeaway is uh, is really an incredible one. I, I didn't get into it tonight. I'll get, get to this tomorrow, uh, I do believe, probably right around uh, 7 o'clock. But uh, the latest here with Florida State, it, this, this is a filing – and, and it involves something that I, I never believed um, it would involve. But the Florida State Board of Trustees, they filed a, an amended complaint um, to its lawsuit against the ACC, alleging conference engaged in self-dealing when former Atlantic Coast Conference Commissioner John Swafford made a media rights deal to help the career of a son. Okay. Uh, it's a 59-page complaint. It was filed in uh, in Leon County, but the allegations uh, talk about financial mismanagement and bad faith. Uh, Florida State's uh, is hoping to, with filing this suit, to to void the league's grant of rights television agreement, which we know is in order through 2036, and also not have to pay the withdrawal fee, which is a half a billion dollars plus. It's a massive amount of money. But what is really interesting about this is that Swafford and his son, what happened here, and, and I'm just giving you the bits and pieces. It's very thorough, and there's a lot of lawyers speaking here. But the 2010 ESPN agreement with Raycom Partnership, um, Florida State contends that Swafford insisted that the conversations with potential bidders for the Atlantic Coast Conference media rights in 2010 – that Raycom Sports be included to any deal that the ACC signed. Raycom had had a partnership with the Atlantic Coast Conference, but they were struggling financially. They needed that package to stay afloat. So Chad Swafford worked the deal with his dad. After the deal was completed, Chad Swafford just happened to become the vice president and general manager of the company. I mean, again, it, this happened in 2007. It's 2024. How, how did things like this happen? It wasn't even reported. Or if it was, it totally flew under the radar. 
but it gets into the facts and the figures and the lost millions and millions of dollars, and they, they use the word depress the value of their media rights. So this is another very intriguing part of the latest that involves Florida State suing the Atlantic Coast Conference. Of course, the Atlantic Coast Conference responded by turning around and, and, and suing Florida State. But uh, it's just another link into this massive mess. I, I will get into this a little bit deeper coming up during Wednesday night show. Now, the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers, equal opportunity employer. Oh, it is Senior Bowl week, and I can see a little twinkle in your eye. Oh, Senior Bowl means a lot. Look, I mean, when Ricky Pearsall's making plays left and right, the orange and blue goggles go on immediately. Apparently, uh, McConkie from Georgia Lad. having a really good it's week, Ricky too. It's Ricky and Lad, man. That's yeah, what it's all about. Who needs Harrison Jr.? Won't one of them Coleman. absolutely go to the Patriots, by the way? Yeah, the, 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 they'll come into the league and immediately become among the most hated players in pro football. <laughs> <laughs> and they'll, inst- they'll instantly be compared to Julian Edelman and Wes Welker, and those will be the comparisons right. that they get. A lot of interesting players, though, out there, Rick. I mean, Bo Nix is out there this yeah. week, Michael Penix, uh, Joe Milton from Tennessee. So, yeah, I watched the Senior Bowl. I watched some of the practice earlier today. The uh, the guy got a lot of uh, a lot of pub today is the center from Oregon, Jackson Powers Johnson. I, I was just talking about it a moment ago. If you told me at seventeen that the Jaguars were going to draft a center, I would love it. I, I just think that it can't be valued uh, enough, and frankly, it's undervalued in a lot of circles. You look at the starting centers coming up in uh, twelve days of the Super Bowl: Tyler Lindenbaum. Um, um, starting center, and uh, Creed Humphrey starting center. This was actually the AFC uh, championship game, not the Super Bowl. But you just look at the importance of what we witnessed a few days ago at the AFC championship game. Both first-round picks, both immediate starters, both have been absolutely outstanding this year, the guy in front of their quarterback. Yeah, no, look, and and a lot's going to happen in free agency, so obviously opinions will change when we see – what ultimately does transpire over that March and April time frame. But if you get me to the draft, I mean, the way I'm looking at it right now, those first three picks, I want three 300-pounders. I would, too. I'd interior O-line, interior D-line, I don't necessarily care where, but obviously on both sides of the ball, you give me two O-linemen, one D-lineman, I want some big uglies this year. I know people are talking about corner and this, that, and the other. No, you need to build the lines of scrimmage. Why did Tennessee decimate you? In the game in Nashville 23 days ago, well, you couldn't stop Derrick Henry. You got manhandled on your D-line, and your offensive line couldn't do anything for Travis Etienne. Still feels like a lot of members of the national media don't get it. I understand that secondary's got three years on the final year of contracts, and you look at Campbell and Cisco and Williams, but I see wide receivers. Mm-hmm. I see defensive backs, and I know that Jacksonville isn't the – premier team that national members of the media are like, all right, let's look at Jacksonville first and give them my undivided attention. But there's no doubt about it. I mean, it's the offensive and defensive line has to be addressed in front of everything else as far as I'm concerned. Let me ask you this. How many starting offensive linemen in 2024 for the Jaguars are on the roster right now? Unfortunately, I'm going to say three, maybe four. Okay, Anton Harrison. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Ezra Cleveland, do you think he's yes. back? Yes. Okay. I, I, I think it's a real good chance. Brandon Sheriff? No. 
Cam Robinson? No. All right. And then Luke Fortner? Walker Little. Walker, well, Walker okay. Little, yeah. And that's where you – the ego of a third-round pick. Yeah. I think they're going to try to get him stronger. So, I'd like to say to you, one, I'd like to say Anton, Anton Harrison and, and maybe put him at left tackle and see if Walker Little can win the right tackle. But I, I, I think there's desperation this year that they got to win, and I think they're going to go after, you know, the Josh Allens and the Calvin really some other big splash ones. But um, Esther Cleveland was very, very, very average to me. He was hurt, too. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they give him an offer to come back and be the left guard. What's going to be complicated, and we'll get into this about a month from now, is franchise tag period. If the Jaguars tag Josh Allen, and then you look around the league, Mm. say Michael Pittman gets tagged in Indy, say T. Higgins gets tagged in Cincinnati, all of a sudden that wide receiver market dries up, Calvin Ridley then would be thrust into the forefront, and he's going to get big money somewhere. So I almost think if you tag Josh Allen – that probably means Ridley's not back if he hits the market. Yeah, and I don't think you can tag Ridley because he needs to practice. He's the one guy on the team where you are kind of like, what's he doing? Yeah. And if he if he blows off the month of August and shows up the week of the game the way that you know he used to work every year for uh, for Walter Jones. I mean, every year he would do that in Seattle. There's a guy who needs to be out there practicing each and every day. With Trevor Lawrence, and, you know, we saw what he did this past August, and even though he went over 1,000 yards, uh, in my opinion, he didn't live up to to that type of uh, promise that we did see out there at the Miller Electric Center. All right, what else coming up tonight? What yeah, a lot of Jaguars. Our buddy Jamal St. Sarah of Channel 4 will stop by. We'll talk Ryan Nielsen, Senior Bowl, and more. And a brand-new head coach in the high school ranks at Baldwin High School. Greatest high school football coaching name going right now, head coach Don Velvet. Yes. Of Baldwin High School joins Don us tonight. Velvet. I absolutely love it. I'm going to just say, I'm going to work that name in almost every night here on Hacker After Dark. That is outstanding. All right, have a lot of fun. Thanks, That's coming up right now. Tomorrow night, 6 to 8. Again, Dave Campbell right out of the gate. We'll get into the defense with him. And then uh, we got some other things planned. We'll see what happens during the day. But I do want to dive deeper into uh, this Florida State latest um, you know, the claim that they did file, 50, uh, 59 pages worth. And we'll have more on the Senior Bowl tomorrow. We'll dive deeper into some of these offensive line prospects during Wednesday night's show. I don't check the text line now. If the show is over, you can get me on Twitter or X. That's Blue1010XL. For JJ LaSelva, my name is Rick Blue. Folks, have a great night tomorrow night at 6. I'll join you then right here in your home of the Jags.